What's the name of your podcast? Psychosis. Like, psychosis, because we're sisters. Welcome back to Psychosis. This is Mary. And I'm Kimberly. And Mary will be bringing us a hometownish case again this week. This one actually hits somewhat close to home because we know people who knew either the victim or the alleged murderer. Is that yeah, the that's, that would be the the right term, I guess. Alleged. Alleged. Emphasis on alleged. Yeah. I mean, we definitely knew it was like, there was at least a degree of separation between us and the people involved in the case. Like it was a friend of our friends. Yeah. Disclosed too much for their privacy, but you know, there was like a degree of separation between us and the case. So when a case actually happened, it was like, whoa, this is, you know, like people involved. And yeah. it, was, it was a lot. It was a lot. It was very close to home, too close to home. And one of those cases where I was constantly on my phone checking for updates, like every hour on the hour when I would wake up in the morning, it was the first thing I would look up to make sure there were no updates because it's one of those cases where you just don't want to hear anything. You don't want to read anything bad. Yep. So I guess we will dive in. Yeah. Take it away. All right. So I'm doing the case of Keith Green. So Keith was 27 at the time of this case. He grew up in San Mateo, California, which is in the Bay area. And he was a lover of sports and played basketball, baseball, football, And he also had a love for the culinary arts and was attending Le Cordon Bleu and was set to graduate in September 2016. So this case also, it takes place in 2016. He had dreams of one day becoming a chef. So Keith went missing from Milbrae, California on April 28th. 2016 after meeting his ex-girlfriend Tiffany Lee outside of the Millbrae Pancake House. It was about 10:15 p.m. and they were to meet to speak about a custody issue. It looks like they had a really bad bitter breakup in October of 2015 and he had allegedly caught Tiffany cheating on him. So this was all very messy and they had dated for six years prior, but they also shared two daughters that were four and one as of 2016. So at the time he lived across the street from Milbury Pancake House. So his car was still at the apartment as well as his wallet. He essentially vanished that night. However, his cell phone was found in Golden Gate Park the next day by a hiker. And for those of you that are not familiar with the area, it's definitely not close by to get there without a car. It's about a 25 minute drive. So it definitely raised some red flags and was suspicious. 
Yeah, it was very like unusual. And as we all know, in the crime world that leaving your belongings behind kind of implies that you don't plan to be away for too long and you plan to return fairly quickly. So that was definitely a red flag as well. The person he was living with ended up reporting him missing when he hadn't returned. So at least they were definitely on it in terms of getting police involved and noticing that things were kind of not adding up. On May 11th, 2016, two weeks after he vanished, members of a homeless outreach group found the decomposing nude body of Keith in a remote field in Geyserville, which is in Sonoma County. And this is about an hour and 40 minutes from the Millbrae Pancake House. So again, not having a car, not having his wallet. It's, it's a little sketchy on how he ended up an hour and 40 minutes away, right? Yeah. And don't you have to like cross bridges to get to that location as well? It's yes. over water. Yeah. We'll get back to that. (laughs) By this point, though, wildlife had actually started to eat portions of his body. And due to being left outside in the elements for so long, identifying him was difficult. However, they were later able to positively identify him through dental records. Yeah, that's incredibly sad. His friends and family were crushed by the news. They all stated he was a really great father and friend. He was working two jobs at the time to try to provide for his girls. Though this case really shook the town. Those who knew him best had a feeling something bad may have happened from the moment he went missing. And they sort of had an idea of who could have been involved. He had once hired an attorney, Mitri Hanania, to help assist in a case against his ex, Tiffany Lee a case that actually had Mr. Hanania worry about Keith's safety. See, Tiffany falsely accused him of stealing her Range Rover and tried to have him arrested. However, she also sent a message to Keith telling him she was filing a false police report. I don't really know what the point of all that was other than to sort of be a jerk. Yeah, make him look like a bad guy. Right. So Keith himself voiced concerns for his safety So it seems like he sort of knew at least who could have been involved with his disappearance. And a little bit on Tiffany. So she was born in Beijing, China in 1985 and moved to the Bay Area in 1992. She came from a extremely wealthy family and was an heiress to their estate. The parents owned property all over the Bay Area and China. And after college, she was working for her parents as a property manager making about a hundred K a year, but also living in their Hillsborough mansion. So I'm assuming that was rent free since a hundred K in the Bay area doesn't go that far. And you definitely can't live in Hillsborough on a hundred K. There is zero way you could live in Hillsborough on a hundred K. And for those of you that don't know where Hillsborough is or what it's like, it's basically the equivalent, I would say to the Beverly Hills area. It's where celebrities have their mansions and it's just all lots of money you got to have a lot of money lots and lots of millions to yeah. live. <laughs> it's a it's an incredibly wealthy place like it's the place that you derive through and just fantasize about living there one day so she lived in Hillsborough while they lived in China she was known to be super flashy with her money 
drove a Mercedes G-Wagon. She had a Range Rover, was known to love cosmetic surgery and excessive shopping trips. I mean, she was living the heiress life, I guess. But to her, money was disposable. So when she and Keith broke up, she actually drafted an agreement where she would pay him $20,000 up front, buy him a new Range Rover, and pay him $4,000 a month for life for expenses and rent and, I guess, to take care of their kids and things like that. But he refused to this agreement, and it caused her to become completely enraged. He had sent her a text message sometime later saying he wanted to provide the same level of lifestyle for their children as she was. So she began badmouthing him, saying he was a horrible father who was only after her money. But like, I kind of get where he's coming from. $4,000 a month, even if you're working two jobs to be a single parent with two kids, $4,000 a month in the Bay Area is basically just going to maybe cover your rent. And that's if you have like a one bedroom. Yeah. It's not going to get you very far, especially like in the peninsula where this took place. I kind of get where he's coming from though, because like the kids are having one life where they're living in mansions and they're flying all over the world. And then their father would be basically scraping by every month to get by, to provide for them which is, there's no problem with that, but the kids aren't going to understand why they get to live like these two completely different lives. And I just feel like that's a little unstable for them. Yeah. And it also has to make the, you know, the parent who is only able to provide just the bare minimum feel very much like less than the other parent and feel some type of way. I can only imagine how he felt. And also if she's bad mouthing him already, you know that down the line, she was bound to just talk smack to her kids about their father. Yeah, which is like the number one rule when there's like bitter divorces is like, don't talk badly about the other parent to your kids because they're going to grow up and they're going to become adults and realize, you know, the truth one day. They're going to figure out things for themselves. Exactly. Anyhow, a month before Keith vanished on April 4th, Tiffany sent a screenshot of this conversation about wanting the equal lifestyles for the kids to her then boyfriend, Kave Bayat. I'm just going to call him Bayat because I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his first name right. Okay, good call. And Oliver Adela. Adela's wife, Uda, will also be name dropped later. So just keep that in mind, FYI. Adela was... 6'5", an MMA fighter, and Tiffany and Bayat's bodyguard. Her boyfriend Bayat then texts her back, insinuating that Keith was just after the money and not in it for the betterment of the kids. And this is where it all sort of goes down. Tiffany then texts him green light. So there's a lot of conspiracies as to what green light means, but what does a green light usually mean? I mean, a green light to me implies go. Okay, so we'll just keep that in mind. Yes, keep that in mind. And also, I was just in my CSI class this past weekend, and we were talking about how dumb people have become, for lack of a better word, and just leave these records via cell phones, whether that's text messages or videos, even using third-party apps, and just leaving evidence, alleged evidence behind like this. Right. So now we have a digital trail. (laughs) 
So that was April 4th and he went missing on the 28th. So that was enough time to devise a plan. On May 4th, Keith was still missing and Tiffany was interviewed by detectives because she actually emailed Hillsborough PD asking how she could help. They always insert themselves. Always. So she wanted to get a billboard put up and was trying to look like a sympathetic ex. She told investigators that night that they met in the parking lot, talked custody, and she said Keith told her that he planned to move to Ohio where his grandmother lives because the Bay Area was too expensive. She said she left the pancake house and went south on El Camino, which traffic cameras did confirm. However, the cameras also caught a 2005 Chrysler 300 following her. And that car belonged to Oliver Adela, the bodyguard. I remember pretty vividly a news segment where they were interviewing her and she was trying to act like the concerned ex, worrying about where he could be. And it was just all like alligator tears to me. I mean, obviously at this time it was still very fresh and new, but our intuition just knows and it just seemed very off. Yeah, I remember that. It just, I don't know. I just get a weird feeling, you know, whenever the the wife goes missing and the husband is up there inserting himself, like crying with no tears. And it was just, it was just exactly like that. A hundred percent. And I know that we can't really judge because we never know how we would act in those situations. Right. But there's just like those moments where you're like, yeah, that's a red flag. While detectives interviewed Tiffany, they dropped the biggest bomb. They were able to track his phone location the night he went missing. And are you ready, Kimberly? I'm ready. It was traveling south on El Camino in her car. Of course it was. They were able to determine that the phone left the pancake house, went to Tiffany's house, connected to her Wi-Fi, then traveled to another residence on Truesdale that was also owned by Tiffany. At the time, a man named Vu Ho lived there. Okay, so there's like a lot of explaining to do with that. Like, how do you explain your ex-man's phone being in your car, connecting to your Wi-Fi, and then traveling again in your car to another location? Well, she can't. Yeah, of course. But her reasoning for going to Vu's house after meeting with Keith was to, quote unquote, collect his rent. At this point, detectives were like, it's not looking good for you since the phone was with you and you have no explanation. And she just kept saying she didn't understand why his phone was pinging. It was with her and that she would never hurt him. She started naming people that may have wanted to hurt Keith, but they definitely weren't buying all of her random people like a motorcycle gang, a failed investment, a supposed significant other from Las Vegas that was a fling but cops zeroed in on their messy custody issues. And I want to add, she did collect the rent, but the rent collection was a pit stop to give her an alibi. And okay, like, might I add, this is, she's obviously a digital girly, like she's sending green light and all this. So why, one, are you collecting rent in person and not digitally? Like, I'm pretty sure his rent was probably done digitally every other time, right? Yeah, every other time it was done um, electronically or however they, she never met, met him up in person to collect the rent until this one specific time. And also 
why is she sitting there pointing her fingers at literally everybody else? Like it was a spiker gang, this girl in Vegas. It wasn't me, had to be X, Y, and Z. That to me just sets off suspicion. And also his phone was in your car, girlfriend. (laughs) There's that. (laughs) So I'm going to preface this next part and say that because of how this case turns out, everything from here on out is alleged. So allegedly what went down that night is that Keith was allegedly lured back to Tiffany's mansion where he was shot and killed allegedly by Bayat. Allegedly. (laughs) His body was then carried to Tiffany's G-Wagon where they then drove to Adela's house and they put his body into Adela's Chrysler. He then drove Keith's body over the Golden Gate Bridge and found a remote field in Sonoma County to hide Keith's body. When it was announced he went missing, Tiffany started calling and leaving allegedly fake voicemails, checking if he was okay. As his friends tried to coordinate search parties, they wanted to search north since his phone was found in San Francisco, but Tiffany tried to suggest that they search south in San Jose, which is the complete opposite direction of San Francisco. We're talking two hours apart. So she was really trying to like throw off the investigation. Yeah. Like, (laughs) I don't know why she just keeps pointing suspicion on herself. Right. It looks way more obvious if you're like, hey, guys, let's go two hours the other direction. Yeah. Like, (laughs) how about we don't go to San Francisco where his phone was found and let's go two hours south to San Jose? It sounds like a great idea. Two weeks later, on May 11th, Keith was found with a gunshot wound to the head and a chipped tooth, indicating that the killer had forced a gun into Keith's mouth before pulling the trigger. Now the police are trying to connect the dots, right? They need to find the Chrysler, but Adela had sold it shortly after the murder. You know what I wouldn't do if I committed a crime with my car? What, Kim? (laughs) Sell it. (laughs) What does that do? I use this suspicion. I feel like, I don't know. I'll just, just keep going. However, they were able to contact the new owner of the vehicle and buy it back on May 18th. So what is that? I can't, my math isn't mathing. So like six days later, Mm -hmm. seven days later, the owner did say that it smelled like bleach when he bought it. So that's a little sus pro tip. Don't buy a car if it smells like bleach. Don't. And I can't imagine being the owner of that new vehicle. Like you're excited. Yay. And then six days later, the cops show up and they're like hey we need to uh to collect this car for evidence in a murder investigation right and the police did end up finding blood in the trunk so i mean i don't know if you got a really good deal on this car but <laughs> yeah there's blood in the trunk it smells like bleach i mean i just wouldn't accept the vehicle on may 20th adela's wife and i want to add that they were married a few days after keith's body was found So to me, that sounds a little strategic. So she couldn't maybe testify against him. I don't know, allegedly. But she was pulled over and she had been on group chats with everybody. So police definitely had their eye on her. So when they pulled her over, they were able to access her fast track 
And Kim, do you want to explain what a fast track is? Yeah, sure. So a fast track, for those of you who might not know, is basically a device that you put in your vehicle. And it's really popular among commuters because it's just a really easy and quick way to go through a bridge toll instead of having to stop and hand over cash to the bridge toll taker. You just drive through and your fast track will click and that's how they charge you. So it basically tracks Every single bridge, I don't know if it's just the Bay Area or California that you go over, and it has a location of where your vehicle was. So from there, they were able to determine that the Fast Track account crossed the Golden Gate Bridge the night slash early morning of Keith's murder. So with all of this info, police were able to arrest Oliver Adela that day. So your comment earlier about going over the bridge, all easily trackable. Yeah, trackable. all easily traceable. <laughs> I think both work as trackable <laughs> word. <laughs> Detectives searched Oliver's apartment and found a lunchbox containing Keith's diamond Cartier watch, as well as $35,000 in cash. And the next day, SWAT team surrounded Tiffany's mansion and her and Bayat were then arrested on suspicion of murder. Not surprised. But as much as you want to think... Yay, arrest, closure. Not when you come from a very powerful family like Tiffany's. On April 6, 2017, Tiffany posted a $35 million bail. One of the highest bails ever in U.S. history and the highest ever in San Mateo County's history. I remember seeing those numbers of this bail and just being shocked that anyone would be able to even pay that i mean money talks i guess yeah her jail release conditions included that she must wear an electronic ankle bracelet submit to house arrest surrender her passports and stay 100 yards away from an airport so house arrest in a mansion it's really hard rough that sounds like one of the toughest things that a human could possibly have to yeah. do so hard for her her boyfriend though by uh, he had to stay in jail she did not post bail for him <laughs> so she really was like uh i'm gonna leave you here while i go back home to my mansion no bail for you glen coco almost a year passes when adela makes a plea deal with the san mateo county district attorney's office and according to investigators admits that he was paid thousands of dollars to get rid of Green's body. He agrees to testify against Lee and Bayat. However, this is short-lived because he's a dummy and well, everything is traceable. He contacted a defense witness who is his ex-girlfriend on Instagram. And that's a big no-no. A big no-no. Adela can no longer be used as a witness. His plea deal is thrown out the window and he is rebooked into jail with no bail. And that is why his testimony of what allegedly happened that night is useless and can't be used anymore. Big fail. So on September 23rd, 2019, the trial begins for Tiffany and Bayat. And on November 15th, 2019, Tiffany Lee is found not guilty on all charges. I remember reading that and just being disgusted. The jurors split 6-6 over Bayat's guilt, and the judge declared a mistrial. 
Around this time, prosecutors announced no murder charges would be filed against Adela. He had already served enough time in jail to be set free for the felony he pleaded no contest to, which was dumping the body. So I guess you can just dump a body and serve a little bit of time and be set free. Yeah. I mean, this, like, a lot of these cases obviously, like, enrage me when alleged people don't get convicted. But this one really irked me so much because it just seemed like as an outsider looking in, obviously we weren't in court hearing all of the testimony, but it just seemed like who else could it be? And I was so angry. And I remember thinking like, okay, if they didn't do it, then who did? And why is the police and county not out there searching for his killer? They literally just left it at that. And then hearing how he was killed and his chipped tooth broke my heart because I can only imagine how his family and his mother felt because that's somebody's child. And I just, I don't have kids, but like, if that were my child, hearing that just completely shatters my heart. So they went back and forth for a bit if Bayat would face a second trial. However, no second trial was ever set and he was later also set free. But the only one maybe tiny sliver of a silver lining is that if new evidence ever surfaces in the case, the DA's office could reverse its decision and retry him. So I guess that's a little bit of hope. Like that's like the, if that's all the hope, you know, they can get, it's better than nothing. Tiffany Lee agreed to pay in a wrongful death lawsuit. She was being sued for obviously the wrongful death of Keith by his mother. This all happened out of court and it sounds like it was settled for about $150,000. No amount of money can even, you know, justify any of this. And there will be a payout for his daughters or their daughters from Tiffany, but for an undisclosed amount, and we wouldn't know how much that is until after they turn 18. But I mean, honestly, that's kind of irrelevant because now they live in China with Tiffany, which is so sad for Keith's family. They lost their son and their grandkids. Yeah, that's so incredibly heartbreaking. And I just, again, cannot even fathom how his mother feels. Yeah, especially when there's so much obvious evidence. I guess Adela really dropped the ball. Because by losing the plea deal, his confession being worthless just threw, you know, everything out the window. Mm -hmm. And it makes you wonder, like, what the children are being fed, what story. And I guess the one good thing about, you know, media, because technology is a blessing and a curse, is that no matter what story they're fed, they're going to be able to do research on their own when they're older and come to a conclusion for themselves. I mean, you literally just have to Google your father's name. Yeah. I mean, unless they really just say, I have no idea who your father is. You yeah. live in China now. There's no way to track it back to Milray. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe she changed their names. You she never know. She might have. Anyway, that is the very sad case of Keith Green. Yes, that one is. I mean, they all are heartbreaking, but. That one is truly heartbreaking. And I hope that new evidence is brought to light or a 
person is ultimately eventually convicted of this case. I hope it just doesn't remain cold and 20 years from now, we're still nowhere. The only good thing I would say also is that the murder weapon was never found. So there is that floating around somewhere that is just be found and tracked back to whoever, if with any sort of DNA, Kim, I know you're working on forensics. If you could find this gun and swab it, that would be no pun intended, the smoking gun. That would be huge evidence. But what really scares me is the fact that they had to cross the Golden Gate Bridge to dump his body. So I would not be surprised if they yeeted that gun outside their cart window and into the ocean. I completely agree. It is probably in the ocean, but you never know. I mean, there's this this wasn't the most genius group of people. No, it really wasn't. I wouldn't be surprised if that gun is like, you know, just chilling in their closet right now. Or just, did anybody check the field again? Because, I mean, just this one guy, what's his name? Adela. Yeah. Adela just didn't seem like the brightest crayon in the box, so. No. He's like, I'm not getting paid enough for this and just leaves the gun out in the open. I, I hope that it is found. Thank you so much for sharing that story with us. And thank you again for coming down the rabbit hole with us on another California case. We are on Instagram at psychosis underscore podcast. Feel free to send us a message if you have a California case request and follow us on Instagram. And you can send us an email as well if that works better for you at the psychosis podcast at gmail.com. You can send us any feedback, any thoughts, a request, whatever you like. Until next time, bye. Bye.